service. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about my Tacova's cowboy boots. I picked them up while I was in Austin, Texas. I had this event I had to go to that night. It was a formal thing. I had this idea of what I was going to wear, but I needed the one extra thing. And I was like, aha, Tacovas. There's a Tacovas here in Austin. The dudes who worked at the store were great. I found the exact boot I was looking for. This boot is called the Dylan. I got it in midnight black. I wore them to this formal event. I had on a suit. And then tonight, I'm going to wear them with jeans to my son's baseball game. These things are amazing cowboy boots. They're super comfortable, and I can tell already that they're going to last for a long time. A couple things you can do here to check out Tecovis. If you can, stop by your local Tecovis store. Have a complimentary drink or two. The experience is awesome. You can shop all the new styles. You're going to smell that fresh leather in the store. The friendly staff are going to be at your service. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make you feel like a rock star. A lot of the Tacova stores have these leather custom branding services to make your boots truly personalized. They put on regular live music and events. It's an awesome in-store experience. So if you have the opportunity to check out a Tacova store, I highly recommend it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Good morning and happy Monday, Discos. Welcome to our weekly advance mini episode, the first communique of the week between you and yours truly, the place for us to set the table for everything that we're going to be discussing and listening to this week, specifically this week's special archive release episode on the Notorious B.I.G. coming tomorrow, as always, on Tuesday, as well as any and all music news relevant to Disgraceland and its many subjects. And of course, this is where we start the conversation that we continue over voicemail, text, social media, and in our Thursday bonus episodes. All right. Happy birthday, hip-hop. What's 50 like, hip-hop? Let me know. August 11th, 
marked the 50th anniversary of what is now the most dominant genre of music in our culture, hip-hop music. And to celebrate, we're re-releasing over the next couple of weeks our two-part episode on the Notorious B.I.G. before we dive straight into the 13th season of Disgraceland. And this one has strong hip-hop vibes as well, but more on that at another time. Back to this week's episode on Big. This two-parter, on the Notorious B.I.G. is one of my favorite Disgraceland episodes for many reasons, which I'll get into more fully in this week's After Party. But before we do that, let's quickly examine the number one song from the Biggie Part 1 episode. It was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. And the number one song in America right now, as of the writing of this episode, is Morgan Wallen's Last Night. But I don't want to talk about that song anymore. It's been on the charts for 27 weeks. It spent 15 weeks at number one. And frankly, it's boring the shit out of me <laughs> as a topic. So what I want to do instead is uh, is hear from you guys and dive straight into your emails. So let's do that. All right, this email is from John Pollard, 65. Hey, mate, really enjoying your podcast way down here in NSW, Australia. Uh, I know you have plenty of material to work with, and I was just wondering if you have ever looked into some of the Australian performers, such as Johnny O'Keefe. He was in an asylum for a while. Car crashes. ACDC and Cold Chisel are some other examples of wild entertainers. Of course, dude. Johnny. ACDC. We just did an episode on him. All right? Check that out. Uh... Uh, but Johnny O'Keefe, I've never heard of. Neither have I heard of Cold Chisel. Uh, John goes on to say, keep up the awesome work. Loving the shows down here. Cheers and beers, Digger. Kind regards, Polly. Uh, all right, Polly. Sorry I called you Johnny. I didn't realize Polly was your nickname until I got to the end of your email. But uh, thanks for getting in touch. I will check out Johnny O'Keefe if you check out our ACDC episode. All right, what else we got here? Urquhart slash Flanagan writes in, I would love to hear your take on the Detroit team of Don Faganson and David Weiss, a.k.a. Was Not Was. They have been around since the 70s and have had many guest artists on the recordings. I'm sure there are many interesting stories. You know, that's real interesting. Thank you for this. Um, I don't know anything about Was Not Was. I know Don Was is a famous producer. I know he's done some great records, worked with the Stones, uh, Ryan Adams, a bunch of other folks. But I don't know anything about Was Not Was. I remember they had a single, Walking with the Dinosaur, Walk Like a Di What was it? I can't remember. From way back in the day. I remember the video vaguely. But I will check that out. Thank you for the, uh, the Was Not Was tip. Paul Harris writes in, Hey man, Paul here from Dursley in the UK. First time emailer, so here goes. A really underrated music-based movie that's real treat is Sing Street 2016. Highly recommend if you haven't already seen it. Keep up the good fight and banging up them podcasts for me to devour. Cheers, Paul. P.S. I hope you actually get this. Well, Paul, I did, and I'm reading it right now. So cheers to you all the way in Dursley, wherever that is in the UK. I've never heard of it. Um, Sing Street. Don't know anything about it, but now I'm intrigued, my man. 2016 as well. I will check it out. Thanks for the recommendation. Brady Redmond writes in, Fugazi and others. I love everything you do. Saw the last Dead & Company show in San Francisco, but let's look at Fela Kuti, a complete awesome freakout of our world. Check it out. Africa came to our continent. What we got was everything we know about American music. Uh, Brady goes on to say, so check it out. 
Meters and James Brown, the beginning of funk music, of course. I'm familiar with the meters. Come on, man. And of course, James Brown. We did an episode on James Brown. So this music went to Africa. Wait, listen to this. What came from Africa? Everything that can be called rock and roll, jazz, funk, reggae, everything came from Africa. In so many ways, Africa came back to the Americas. Listening to the funk, we have Afrobeat, insane mix of funk and African rhythm, horns, etc. Fela Kuti was almost assassinated many times. Fighting Shell, etc. Okay, punk rock, question mark. Fugazi ruled, $5 show. Minor threat, bad brains. Okay. I love the email. You're all over the place. Uh, I kind of dig it. I dig the energy here. Um, I, I can't tell. Do you want an episode on Fugazi? How am I going to do that? Like, what's the crime? There's no crime there. Um, yeah, but Fela Kuti, for sure. Maybe even the bad brains, who you go on to mention. Um, some other ones here. Lee Perry, for sure. Marley, we did an episode on. Prince Buster, Desmond Decker and the Aces. Augustus Pablo. Augustus Pablo was a big influence on uh, on some of the music we created in the early days of Disgraceland, particularly the Bob Marley episode, the score for that. Check that out. Uh, great email, right, Brady. Thank you. Keep them coming. Chris Wilcock writes in, and you know, Chris, this is not a slight to you. Um, I feel like every week I get an email about Michael Hutchins from NXS. So here we go. Uh, hey, Jake, Chris here. I'm assuming you've already finished this episode on Michael Hutchins, but if not, here's a podcast which may give you a local insight. Cheers. And then he uh, has a couple of podcast links in here and writes, uh, Behind the Hits, Michael Hutchins in excess. Oh, I guess that's the show. Thanks, man. We are uh, currently in the re research stage of the Michael Hutchins in excess story. We'll be bringing that to you um, this year. This, that, that episode will be up before the year is over, I believe. Mark Matthews writes in, Hello, Jake. Hope you're doing well. I stumbled upon the Disgraceland podcast on Good Pods, and man, it was an awesome find. I was particularly drawn to the bonus Aerosmith Encounters episode, and I love how you how you use audience voice memos. Um, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, good to have new listeners in on the Disgraceland scene. Let's see what else we got here for emails. Emails, emails, emails. Joe Abney writes in, I heard your podcast on Chris Brown, along with many others. I have been listening for years and I've rarely heard you say that an artist doesn't have good music. However, it was disappointing to hear you say that Chris Brown doesn't have good music when later you said that Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift both have good music. Their pop music is very similar and they also share the same demographic. If you were to ask that group if Chris Brown had great music, they would say yes. And same for Ariana and Taylor. It was weird to hear that, and I would like to hear an explanation of why. Okay, here you go. Here's the reason. I don't fucking like Chris Brown, man. I don't know what to tell you. And objectively, I find what he does to be mediocre. Now, I totally hear where you're coming from when you're saying, well, what about Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande? Taylor Swift is her own beast, okay? So put that aside. Objectively speaking, the woman makes great music. Uh, Ariana Grande... I hear you, dude. I hear you. You know why? I guess, well, I don't really have a good answer for you. Sometimes someone just annoys the shit out of me. And in the headspace of where I was when I recorded that Chris Brown episode, I just couldn't do it, man. I couldn't say it. Same with Eminem. Go back and listen to the Eminem episode. I know I'm opening up a can of worms here that I don't want to deal with, but I grew up thinking that Eminem was a fucking clown. I didn't like him. I thought he was a goofball. I couldn't stand his brand of music. His humor I thought was juvenile, but not in a cool way, like in a really fucking dumb, 
like super dumb way. I didn't get it. Um, I've completely changed my mind. I recorded that episode back in 2019. Uh, it was the first episode I did where I said I didn't, or I said the artist did not make great music. I took a ton of shit for it. But you know what? I've completely come around on Eminem. I've changed my mind. I think he's, I totally understand the dude's greatness. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I get your passion for this and defending Chris Brown. I really, truly do. And I appreciate it. But you got to understand, man, I'm just a human being with ears. And sometimes I don't like shit. And you know what? Maybe someday soon, today even could be, you know, or tomorrow. Who knows? I'll be riding along. The radio will come on. It'll be a Chris Brown song. I won't know what it is. I will react to it positively and turn it up. That is the beauty of music. You know, it's, it's our tastes change. So, you know, to your point, um, yes, I'm a fucking hypocrite and, uh, yeah, maybe Chris Brown does make great music, but I'm not hearing it. Okay. I appreciate the email and I appreciate the listen. Keep them coming. Kathleen Jameson writes in, well, she doesn't write anything. There's nothing in this email. It just says subject Wu-Tang. <laughs> Kathleen, get back to me. Jeremy Hess writes in, Hey Jake, I'll allow, I may be a small minority in wanting this, but I'll toss it out there anyway. I would love an episode on the Boston area indie scene of the early 90s. Lemonheads, Blake Babies, Juliana Hatfield, Belly, Buffalo Tom, etc. Evan Dando and Juliana are two of my favorite musicians, and an episode including them and their associated bands would be awesome. I know Evan has a share of issues with addiction and misbehavior. Perhaps that's the key to unlocking a Disgraceland story about this scene. Thanks for all you do. Your pods are wonderfully made and something I look forward to every week. You know, Jeremy, I received a direct message from someone recently um, and on, on the subject of another Boston band, Morphine. And uh, I'll give you a similar answer to what I gave that listener um, I know the guys in Morphine. I've known Billy Conway or knew him. He, he passed away a couple years ago, um, the drummer. And I know Jerome, uh, the original drummer. And I know Dana. And I've known these guys for my entire adult life. I met Mark once. Uh, I get a lot of requests for Morphine. Um, and yeah, I just, it's too close to my Boston roots for me to do. I know I'll inevitably end up pissing off somebody that I really like. And I, I don't want to do that, whether it's a member of the band or uh, a fan or, or somebody else. And the same goes for, um, you know, all the bands you mentioned. I, I, I know, well or have met and and have or no sort of by association pretty much everyone in your email here and uh boston's a small town i even toured with evan dando once uh for a brief period and uh it's just too it's too close too close to the bone so someone else is going to have to do an episode <laughs> on the boston scene um i've run into this a couple times with other other artists as well there's a bunch of artists in the new york hardcore scene that i want to cover that i kind of know uh, I don't really know personally, but I know people who know them personally. And it's just, it's a little, it feels weird. It's a little too close. I like being distanced. Uh, I like being not part of the scene that I'm talking about, but I do appreciate your, uh, suggestion here, Jeremy. I love those bands too. And I can understand why I want to hear more content on them. Um, 
Alan Lord writes in, uh, I wanted to hate, but I'm now a convert. Alan Lord says, hello there, Jake. Full disclosure, I was unaware of Disgraceland until the Webby Awards nomination came out. I voted for Don Wills, the almanac of rap because it rules and dismissed the idea of voting for John Legend show because he's already a fucking EGOT guy. That said, I figured if I was going to vote against you, I owed it to you to listen to at least one episode. And so I did. I went back to the beginning and listened to the first six, and I found myself enthralled by the mix of facts and fiction. You've got a mighty fine show on your hands, man. It's the only true crime or true crime adjacent podcast I fuck with, and I love the show's various instrumentals, even the Mellotron loops. Take care, Rockarola. Alan Lord, you are my new favorite fan. I love the converts. Um, thanks, Alan. Appreciate that. Glad you're into the show. Keep it up. Tell some friends. Appreciate the email as well. Let's do uh, one more here. This one from William Cavanaugh writes in, oh, another one from Down Under. Greetings from Down Under writes in, greatest music movies, that's the subject, on the topic of greatest movies about music. And I do realize I'm stretching the definition just a little bit, but if you leave off Spinal Tap, it's not a list worth reading. Turn it up to 11. Rockarola, Will Cavanaugh. Rockarola, Will Cavanaugh. Indeed, you are totally correct about Spinal Tap. I don't know how we haven't talked about that before, but uh, appreciate the email. Guys, keep them coming. Disgracelandpod at gmail.com. It's my favorite part of this mini episode, talking to you guys, answering these emails. Hit me up. Uh, get in touch. You can also do it by phone, 617-906-6638, and I will answer you in the after party. I'll play your voicemail, perhaps, or read your text, or uh, hit me up at Pod on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, uh, X, wherever the fuck. I'm there, at Pod. Quick break, back in a flash. Hey, are you guys proud dog owners like I am? You ever wonder why so many dogs are suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, you know Katherine Heigl from Knocked Up, she's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation. And she says that she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, Katherine feels that there's one place that we can all look to improve our dog's health, and that is their food. Many dog foods can actually create toxins that can be wrecking our dog's health. Okay, and this is true even for many of the premium dog food brands. However, by just adding a few special superfoods to our dog's diets, we can see huge transformations in their health. Katherine Heigl has already done this. She's made a video about it. You guys need to watch this video. It's a 20 minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for my dog, Dusty. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin, uh, healthier coat. Dusty's coat looks fantastic. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash disgraceland and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash disgraceland. Hey, Discos, it's Jake here. Thank you so much for listening to Disgraceland. Your support truly means a lot to me, and it's because of you that my team and I are able to make this show. If you want more Disgraceland, if you want more regular interactions with me and the community of Disgraceland listeners, or if you simply want to listen to the show ad-free, go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. For just five bucks a month, you can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. 
Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month. You'll also get weekly unscripted bonus content, special audio collections, and early access to merch and events. There are two ways that you can support the show and become a member at disgracelandpod.com slash membership. You can sign up using Patreon and listen to the show ad-free on Apple, Spotify, and most other major podcast platforms. And Patreon members also get access to all the other perks of membership and an always-on chat where I'll be interacting with you and diving deeper into the world of Disgraceland. But maybe you're currently an Apple Podcast subscription listener and you want to just tap into all the bonus audio content and ad-free listening that we're offering. We're also offering this membership as a premium channel on Apple Podcasts. However you choose to join, all you got to do is go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Support the show for just $5 a month, five bucks, or sign up for an annual plan and get two months free. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland All Access by visiting disgracelandpod.com slash membership. All right, we're back this week in Disgraceland Subject History. On August 11th, back in 1976, Keith Moon, drummer for The Who, collapsed and was hospitalized in Miami, Florida. Keith's rich and, of course, uh, <laughs> colorful and chaotic life is in part detailed in our, our episode that we did on him. We called this episode a Who episode, but it's mainly a Keith Moon episode, so check that out. It's an early one, but a goodie, and uh, has one of my favorite death scenes uh, in all of our episodes. All right, also on August 11th in 1978, Chic released their second studio album, Say Chic, featuring their single Les Freak, which blew up on the charts. Great song. Uh, when we go into some pretty deep detail on the aggressive origins of this song in our Studio 54 episode, so get in on that if you haven't already. Also, on August 12th in 2001, Britney Spears, her father, announced that he would step down as the pop singer's conservator after abuse allegations came to light, and alas, our long national nightmare came to an end. All of which is chronicled in our two-part episode on Britney, and I gotta say, that episode and most episodes on pop stars, as opposed to rock or punk or hip-hop stars, that one was a challenge uh, for me, but it remains one of our most popular episodes in our archive. Uh, I mean, it's not as big as the Grateful Dead episode or the Cardi B episode, but it's still huge. And uh, more on Cardi B a bit later in this bonus episode. But back to Disgraceland. Disgraceful, excuse me. Back to our disgraceful history. On August 16th, 1974, the Ramones, the Mighty Ramones, played their first show ever at CBGB's in Lower Manhattan. And the world has never been the same afterward. As far as we can tell, televisions were not dropped from the top of the building on unsuspecting pedestrians down on Bleecker Street. Um, on August 16th, also on August 16th, 12 years later, Madonna released her album True Blue in her single of the same name, uh, which went to number one. But you know what? I love True Blue. I love that song. I love her look in the video. It's the blonde-haired one, I believe. Blonde Madonna. Um, like short hair, spunky. You know what I'm saying? Uh but I don't love True Blue as much as Borderline. Uh, and here's what I had to say about Borderline back in our Madonna episode. It's hard for me to explain the greatness and appeal of Madonna's Borderline. The opening notes on the electric piano gut me every time I hear them. It's a simple childlike sound and melancholic melody that looks back to the 70s. And then the beat comes in and all of a sudden, you're in a new decade onto something fresh, fully committed to the promise of the unknown. 
The feeling is similar to the beginnings of any great relationship. You feel comfortable and safe, while at the same time excited about where it's all going. The single was Madonna's first big come on. Her flirtatious glance across the bar, her nonchalant bump on the dance floor. It was electric, the casual touch from her hand, pushing it, the whisper in your ear, keep pushing it, the mischievous laugh, heart melting, the smile, the pout, the abandon, the control, a total turn on. Madonna had made a pass at America, and America was smitten. All right, guys, I love Borderline. You know this. I love Madonna. You know this. I love that episode. You know this too. I hope you guys do as well. I'm going to take a quick break. Got to keep these mini episodes mini, all right? I'll be back with some musicians behaving badly right after this. Okay, Robbie Robertson from the band died last week. He was 80 years old. He was one of the greatest rock and roll guitar players of all time. He was one of my favorites, for sure. He was the most interesting thing to me about the band's concert film, The Last Waltz. He was a guitar player unlike any I'd ever seen before. He hypnotized me in that film. He blew Eric Clapton off the stage. He proved himself worthy on screen of his coke buddy Martin Scorsese's impossibly cool perspective. He played with Dylan. He got high with the Beatles. He saw Hendrix play before he was Hendrix when he was just Jimmy James with his not-so-famous flames. He saw Aretha Franklin's first show. He was a hawk who got by on more pussy than Sinatra or so the story goes. He scored on any given Sunday, soundtracked Paul Newman and Rupert Pumpkin and provided a bed for the Irishman to put people down in after painting their houses. He was a different kind of killer than Frank Sheeran, an assassin with six strings and one of the killers of the Flower Moon whose guitar playing and artistry singed American culture in a way that only giants are capable of. Rest in peace, Robbie Robertson. In other news, Cardi B freaked out on stage a couple weeks ago, okay? You guys saw this. I'm sure you did. A fan pissed her off, and Cardi B threw her mic at her. <laughs> Which, you know, that should be news enough. But it seems Cardi B uh, got her hair extensions taken out recently. And now that's all the internet wants to talk about. They don't care about her abusing her fan. The real story should be that once Cardi B threw her mic into the crowd at her fan... Uh, actually, that's enough of a story right there. But the next part of the story is that somehow the song continued. And so, too, did Cardi B singing, even though the video shows that Cardi B clearly was no longer singing. She didn't have a fucking microphone anymore. I'm old enough to remember when this kind of thing was uh, a low-key crime against art. You, you weren't supposed to lip sync as a, as a singer. All I can think of is what Millie Vanilli must be thinking right now, and that it might be time to do an episode on the disgraced, quote-unquote, singing duo. Uh, good for the fan, though. Looks like they sold Cardi B's microphone for 100 grand on eBay. Uh, God bless America. Okay, this next little bit of news is why I love my job. This story is wild and primed for an eventual Disgraceland episode. I love when any artist, when any potential subject or subject plays against their type, 
uh, in their actions. John Lennon, a fucking Beatle, the beat of one of the biggest pop stars of all time, arguably in 1980. Uh, there's this anecdote about him being jealous about Bruce Springsteen's success. That's one example. Or Lou Reed from our recent uh, Velvet Underground episode going to work uh, for a square job as an accountant after being an arguably the coolest rock band of all time, the Velvet Underground. As another example, you catch my drift. So this story, Lizzo. You know Lizzo. You probably love Lizzo. Everyone loves Lizzo. In fact, we are practically mandated by the pop culture gods to love Lizzo. She is a success story, a triumph, and her music is indeed great. Some of it, anyways, I stand by that first album, as I'm sure most of you do as well. Um, but then this news comes. First, the salacious bit, and then the epic irony. Lizzo is being sued, okay? She's being sued by some of her touring dancers for sexual harassment. The details on this story are wild, and I should note that these accusations are all alleged and uh, will have their day in court. But as a former musician who's been to Amsterdam before with other musicians, the details in this story, they ring true. Uh, apparently, Lizzo, patron saint of strong body positive women and men everywhere, allegedly forced her dancers to attend a sex show in Amsterdam and pressured a few of her workers to engage with the sex show performers, let me say that again, and pressured a few of her workers, her dancers who were there at this sex show with her, pressured her workers to engage, allegedly pressured them to engage with the sex show performers. Um, if you want details on this, you're going to have to wait until we write and record the Lizzo episode because they're just too damn salacious and too damn good for this mini episode. There are also allegations against Lizzo of racial discrimination and, 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 and the irony to beat all irony, Lizzo is accused by one of her dancers of harassing one of her employees, again, a dancer, over her weight gain. Lizzo is being accused of harassing one of her dancers over how much weight her dancer had gained, allegedly. Uh, the lawsuit says Lizzo and other staffers never explicitly stated it, but gave off the impression that her dancer uh, needed to explain her weight gain and disclose intimate personal details about her life in order to keep her job. So much for body positivity. This is like John Bonham of Led Zeppelin firing a roadie for drinking too much, okay? In a statement to Billboard, the dancer's attorney uh, called particular attention to those allegations about weight gain, saying, quote, the stunning nature of how Lizzo and her management team treated their performers seems to go against everything Lizzo stands for publicly, while privately she weight shames her dancers and demeans them in ways that are not only illegal, but absolutely demoralizing, end quote. Just mic drop. I don't even know what to say. I love that after 100 plus episodes on musicians behaving in really reckless ways that I can still be shocked by news like this. Uh, no telling on what's going to happen here, but it appears that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Six more people have crawled out of the woodwork, of course they have, and contacted Lizzo's lawyers, indicating that Lizzo could be facing further legal action. If I were a smug, self-important journalist, this is the point of the program where I drop my voice in the most self-serious way possible and say into the microphone, watch this space. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, hot damn, I love this story and I cannot wait to see what happens so I can talk to you guys about it and make a killer disgrace and episode about it. Uh, but in the meantime, your thoughts on Lizzo. I want to know. 617-906-6638. Leave me a voicemail. Send me a text. Do you believe this? Do you believe these allegations? Um, can you believe them? What do you think of them? If, if you do believe them, uh, or hit me up at Disgraceland Pod on the socials to let me know. All right, 
Let's wrap this advanced mini episode now that we've set the week for us here in Disgraceland. Number one, get ready for Notorious B.I.G. That re-release part one of the B.I.G. story hitting your feeds tomorrow in Disgraceland in celebration of the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Number two, I got questions. I'm looking for answers. As always, 617-906-6638. I want to know what you think of Lizzo. Specifically, what you think of the allegations against her? Can they be true? Are they true? What say you? 617-906-6638 with your answers to let me know your thoughts on the Biggie episode and or anything relative to Disgraceland. Hit me, discos. All right. Big part one this week on Tuesday, after party on Thursday. We're back on Monday with another one of these advanced mini episodes to kick off your week. And to land this plane, I'm going to read to you the Billboard charts from March 9th, 1997, the day the notorious B.I.G. died. Number one, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down, Puff Daddy, featuring Mace. Last week, one, Peak Position, one, Weeks on Chart, ten. Number two, Wannabe, Spice Girls. Last week, two, Peak Position, one, Weeks on Chart, ten. Number three, Foolish Games, You Were Meant For Me, Jewel. Last week, three, Peak Position, three, Weeks on Chart, eighteen. Number four, number two, in my bed, Drew Hill. Last week, last week, last five, peak position, position, peak position, four, weeks on chart, twelve, ten. Number five, number three, unbreak my heart, Tom Braxton, featuring last week, last week, peak position, peak position, weeks on chart, weeks on chart, ten. Number six, number two, every time I close my eyes, last week, last week, peak position, six, quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.